You're listening to the Habitology Podcast with Melanie White, and today I want to talk about busting cravings and firing up motivation. Have you ever done a transformative program, or you're doing one now, and you found that the magic's wearing off after a week or so, and you're starting to lose a bit of motivation? Well, I want to share with you my initial results from my own 50-day program and talk about how to stay motivated while you're doing a program like this. I want to start by sharing the first week's highlights and I'm pretty chuffed I have to say with what I've achieved. I did really well with everything in the first week and after all it is the honeymoon period of the program where everything's new and exciting and I've come in with that motivation and focus. So let's have a look at those highlights and also I want to share my reflections on the highlights which are just as important as doing the work. And that's because it gives your brain the proof that you're succeeding and it reinforces motivation. So let's start with water. I really wanted to increase water intake as a very important part, no matter what else I did, because water affects your perceived level of energy or tiredness. It improves your digestion and it helps with your mental and physical well-being generally. So water is critical to a whole bunch of other things. You may or may not know that sometimes when you're feeling hungry, you're actually thirsty. And so if you're not drinking enough water, you can tend to overeat. So I started with that and I did really well and it made a huge difference to my overall energy levels and my hunger and the way my skin looks and feels and also my mental clarity. My digestion has been better. And I've also now tapped into my natural thirst and hunger signals. If you're chronically dehydrated, you can kind of lose touch with how much water you actually need and how hungry you actually are. So water really is important in balancing those things. And so for me, water was an absolute winner to start with. The way I managed to succeed in keeping my water intake up was actually pretty simple. Every night before bed, I would fill up my water bottle so it would be ready for me the next day at my desk. And I would also have two cap cups of uncaffeinated rooibos tea every day, which added to my water intake. So when I'd wake up, I'd have a cup of rooibos tea in bed, which is just a herbal tea with no caffeine. And then I would have another one late afternoon. Plus, I also added in a glass of water that I'd drink while I'm cooking and preparing dinner each night. So I absolutely bossed my goal. And now my natural thirst mechanisms kicked in. So it's easy for me now, having mastered that habit in the first week of one litre per day, I'm going to be doubling that to two litres. This is my first day actually of two litres, and I've already done one and three quarters. So I'm finding I'm actually a little bit thirsty now. I'm finding I've really tuned into that natural signal and therefore I'm hydrated enough. One of the things that water has helped me do is to cope with sugar withdrawals. Now, this is a critical part of anyone, especially if you're on a, some sort of a weight loss program, which I'm not, but if you are, or if you're changing your food, your body needs to adjust to using a new set of foods and nutrients. And there can often be a bit of a withdrawal or a detox, if you want to call it that, when you stop eating certain things and start eating new things. And that definitely happened to me. And that made the first week a little hard. So I decided not to have added sugar or white flour at all. And 
I have to be really honest and say the first five days without sugar was super difficult. That's because after my birthday at the end of August, I was given a lot of cakes and a big slab of fudge and a whole pile of chocolate for my birthday. And so I'd gotten into a habit of eating chocolate or cake in the afternoon when I had a bit of an energy lull and I felt like I needed to have that chocolate to feel good. That's what I was telling myself, I realised. And by God, I had some sugar cravings last week, I have to say. I was craving sugar after lunch and I was craving sugar or chocolate mid-afternoon and again after dinner. So the whole afternoon I was constantly thinking about cake or chocolate. And to cope with this, I used some really effective strategies to get past the cravings and I was completely over them by day five of my program. So one of those strategies was keeping my water intake up. That meant that I, as soon as I thought I wanted sugar, I'd have some water instead. I was also making sure to include enough protein and enough fiber at each meal so that I'd feel satisfied and getting my meal timing right so that I didn't need snacks. We need to have nothing to eat for four hours to probably properly digest and absorb nutrients from a meal. And if you're constantly snacking, especially on sugary or carb-rich foods between meals, or if you're having something every hour or two, it drives false hunger and false cravings. So it's really important to stop those in their tracks. So the water and the regular meals without snacking are really important. Also, just to say on the snacking, if you're leaving more than four or five hours between meals, then you might need a snack. But that's a whole other conversation. I don't want to get into the detail, but just suffice to say that by day seven now, I have been free of sugar and carb cravings for the last three days. And this is pretty impressive for me because I've long been a fan of having what I call lunch dessert, which means I have lunch and then I have a sweet thing afterwards, plus at least a little bit of chocolate after dinner. That was a bit of a winter habit and I've now broken that and I'm feeling amazing. No more sugar cravings. You can't believe how liberating that is. The next thing I want to talk about that I've changed or focused on is my macronutrient ratios. So that's carb, protein, fat, fiber. So after I busted my sugar cravings, after day five, I switched my focus from that to getting my carb, protein, fat and fiber mix right because that's actually the secret for managing long-term hunger, satiety, energy and cravings, and of course, body composition and weight if you're concerned about those things. The reason I didn't think about my macros in the beginning was because I really wanted to nail the carb cravings first and get rid of any of my body's false signals. It's pretty hard to get your macro ratings right using the metabolic typing fine tuning system that I use while you still have those false signals coming in. So you need to break the back of the cravings first. And actually in my other program, my Downsize Me program, it's for people with insulin resistance that spends a couple of weeks really nailing the sugar cravings first before moving into the uh, eating for your body type way of, way of operating. So once you've sorted out blood sugar imbalances, which are indicated by those false sugar or carb cravings, then you can access your natural energy needs and get a sense of how best to fuel your body for clear thinking and good performance with eating and exercise. 
And when I say performance, I mean eating so that you can exercise in a way that you feel energized and not drained. So for those past few days, I've been following the metabolic typing fine tuning process that I mentioned. I've trained in this, so I'm very familiar with it and it's worked for many of my clients. And it's really great to experience myself because now I'm getting a really good balance of protein, carbs and fat at each meal. And I've got good physical and mental energy. I'm free of cravings. I'm full of energy and completely satisfied after a meal for four hours. I'm still fine tuning a couple of my meals because I have been hungry a little earlier. But let me just say I'm way the way there and the cravings are gone and I'm, I'm just working on that piece now. So I'm feeling really good about that. The next thing that I've been working on is exercise. Now, I haven't gone as well with exercise as I hoped because I had a couple of days with really bad headaches and uh, I had a very stiff trapezius muscle because of a lift I did slightly, slightly skew. And so I had to work around those things. One thing I did notice was that I hadn't planned around my work properly. So during a busy week, I was short of time on a couple of days and I didn't want to exercise too late in the afternoon for fear of being too stimulated and unable to sleep at night. But I did achieve 80% of my exercise goal this week, which was fantastic. And that means for me that on most days I did two exercise sessions a day in accordance with the specific activities that I set for myself. What I learned is that I need to plan better for exercise as well as I've planned my nutrition. And I also had to catch my naughty mind trying to convince me that I was too busy to exercise on a couple of days. And I pushed through that using the 54321 principle of Mel Robbins. So that's when my mind's coming up with excuses. I just quickly shut them off and start doing the exercise. And I'll talk a bit about that later in this episode. Now let's talk about mindset. This is another area I've been focused on. And one thing I must save up for is a talk about mindset is all the things that I've mentioned, but that's a whole other thing I can talk about mindset as its own thing. But the water, the healthy eating and the exercise, doing those things has made a huge difference to my mindset. So even if I hadn't been doing all of the other mindset work, those other health habits have improved my mental clarity and my mood significantly. Even though I had to struggle with the cravings and headaches for a few days as a detox from sugar and white carbs, I have had in the last few days such clear thinking, such better decision making, and I just can't believe how much better it's been. One other thing that's really changed too is my mental chatter, which has quietened down heaps. And of course, I'm pretty motivated to do this challenge. So it's hard to say whether that's part of the equation of my mindset, but I have handled some challenging situations this week with relative ease and with little to no anxiety, which is a huge win for me. Otherwise, I might have been quite anxious about some of the things I've had to deal with. But this is a part of doing this program for me too, is to really cut back on anxiety and feel calm and more resilient. So just those other habits I've been doing have really helped with that. But what I've been doing for my mindset specifically is daily reading and journaling, which were both incredibly helpful. More specifically, 
I've been starting the day with uplifting, useful information, factual information, and that's been valuable and it's given me creative energy and inspiration each morning. Just 10 pages. I'm also making notes on my daily routines, my challenges and wins, and a few measurements, and those things have been useful in telling me what's working and what needs more work. I've actually had a few critical aha moments in the last few days just by being able to write down and then observe some of the patterns I've been in. The other thing is that measurements are critical for informing your brain that something is working. It gives you proof that you're achieving something, if even if you can't see a huge result. And that helps you to persist and stay motivated. And without that sort of evidence, your brain's going to start coming up with excuses and talking you out of doing things. That's why documenting measures of progress is so important in any change journey. It's convincing your brain that what you're doing is having an effect. Now, at the moment, I'm still in the exper experimenting phase, and that's experimenting to find out what habits are working and what need to be done differently. And once I start to settle on some of those habits that I'd like to keep permanently, I will know exactly how and when to make sure that they happen and I'll be committed to them no matter what. So that's what the experimenting process is for, is to fit those things into your life in a way that they're not negotiable. So that's the water, the exercise, the eating and so on, any sort of writing that I might choose to do. One thing that this 50-day program has allowed me to do is to sustain focus for long enough to work these things out and to achieve automaticity in my new habits. Now that's really important. It's one thing to do a program, but you wanna walk away with it with, with automaticity. And that means you've performed a habit for long enough that you don't have to think about it anymore and it's become a natural part of your life. You might've heard people say it takes 21 days to change a habit. Well, you might start mapping the initial neural pathways, but automaticity takes around 12 weeks, if not longer. And that's for each habit you're seeking to change. So it's important that you stick with something for long enough that you can get it done and get that automatic patterning happening. So how do you stay motivated? Let's talk about this. And I wanna start with what I've seen in many of my clients in the past. The first week of any type of transformation program is exciting and interesting. You're buoyed. You're doing new things, you're getting some quick wins, and then you're starting to get into a rhythm and you're seeing some quick results. So that feels great. But then after the honeymoon period is over, things can start feeling a little hard or life gets busy. Or if you're a veteran of programs or severely lacking in self-confidence, sometimes after the first week or two, you can lose focus or find yourself making excuses for the things that you're not doing and, and slipping out of that program. There are lots of reasons why this can happen, but let me just say that it is totally normal to initially be excited and then to start becoming bored or unmotivated or to feel too challenged when it comes to making change. It's normal to feel a bit stuck or overwhelmed at times and to feel like giving up. And it could happen to you later on in a program and it could happen in the, after the first week. You might say, oh, this is too hard. I'm not doing any more. <laughs> so I want to really explain what I'm doing to stay motivated during my transformation program. And this includes what's worked for many of my clients before. I've got three tips for you around motivation. 
Motivation tip number one is to get the timing of your program right. You should really choose the timing of your transformation program carefully. It's crazy trying to do it if you're going through an incredibly busy period at work or when you have a lot of stressful things going on in your life. It just doesn't make sense because those things mean that you're at the tipping point of stress already and something that would normally be challenging, like starting an exercise program, can feel just that bit too challenging such that you might give up more easily because you've got so much stress in your life already. And when you're stressed in life, other than or outside of any sort of a change program, that stress takes a huge toll on your physical and mental health, including your body's nutrient status. You need nutrients um, to stay healthy. And if your nutrient needs increase because you're stressed, then you're going to start having cravings for sugar and salty and fatty food and carbs and those sorts of things. So it's going to make it hard to improve your eating or sleep well or exercise effectively if you're stressed for lots of reasons, but those are some of them. And in fact, if you're trying to do something transformative in a period of life, when you're stressed like that, you're more likely to get a cold or a flu or run down or sick and then not be able to complete your program because your body goes from being anabolic into being catabolic. It tips you over a threshold. So from that perspective, the timing is really important. Choose a period of your life that's normal, routine and average so that you can more easily adjust to the disruption and the challenge of a transformation program and face the discomfort of change without having to give up. Similarly, a bad time to do a transformation program is if you're out of a normal routine. You might think, oh, well, I'm on holidays now. This is the time to do it. But I say maybe rethink that. The reason I think that isn't a good time to do a transformation if you're on a relaxing holiday is that you might find it harder to persevere or to stay motivated and focused because after all, you're going to be thinking, I've had a big year, I need a holiday, I enjoy time off, I want to be relaxed. That's not the time to start doing something challenging like making change. One other thing about trying to attempt a transformation on, while you're on a holiday is that you're maybe establishing habits that are outside of your normal weekly structure. And so when you go back to that normal weekly structure, your new habits no longer fit into your week. It's much better for you to make changes within your normal yearly or weekly routine where you have more of a fixed schedule. And the reason for that is a lot of habit change can be initiated through what's called habit stacking or piggybacking, as I like, I like to call it, where you piggyback new habits off the back of existing ones, which makes it easier to adopt and automate them. For example, if you are used to getting up and preparing breakfast each morning before you go to work, it might be a good time to also prepare your lunch for work. If you're not at work, you're not in that routine. So it's harder to develop a routine that you can do consistently through the year. That's just an example. So that's motivation tip number one is to get the timing right and choose a boring, consistent, regular time of year to do a challenge like this. Motivation tip number two, this is a big one for me that I've really learned this time, measure and reflect. 
It's been so helpful for me to measure and document, to write down with a pen and paper several things each day and really keep my eyes on how much better I'm feeling when I do certain things and to reflect on the success and what I've learned. You heard me speak earlier about the first seven days of my own 50-day program. I've learned so much about motivation. One thing in particular that I've learned that I'd love to share with you right now is that when I approach each weekend, I'm ready to relax after a stressful week. And so I've been tempted to let my guard down because of that. I've been tempted not to worry about drinking water or maybe not to do the exercise or not to eat so well because I've worked hard this week and I need to relax. So that goes back to what I was saying before about the timing. Don't choose a stressful period to make change. It's more easy for you to be consistent. But it's also important to have a strategy for weekends to stay motivated or to choose to focus on habits that you can easily do seven days a week or at least consistently and without sabotage. I think water is one of those things that's a lot easier to do seven days a week. Eating might be more difficult, for example, because you might want to socialise or do things with friends or relax and have a drink or whatever. And so um, documenting your habits allows you to see what's going on and what you're thinking and feeling and how to work with that. So it's really important to document that and also to collect metrics to measure what's going on, to see improvements. Motivation tip number three is don't wait for motivation. I know that sounds weird, but have you ever heard of the Ziegenick effect? <laughs> Maybe not. Well, the Ziegenick effect states that not completing tasks creates mental tension, which keeps it top of mind. And the only thing that will ease the tension is to complete the task. So obviously you need to be realistic with the number of things that you're changing at once. Too many things might be too much to fit into your week and you might have all of this unfinished business, unfinished business in your mind. But starting something like your daily exercise session is usually the hardest part. If you can start focusing on that task for a few minutes, if you just do the first five minutes of exercise, then your brain's desire to complete it should take over. So if you are trying to change a couple of habits and you feel like putting off one of your actions, just take that first step and the rest will follow. So let's summarise today's episode. I've talked about the things that I've learned after just seven days of my own transformation program. And I'm still in the experimental phase to see what works and what I can fit into my lifestyle and how to do those things. But I'm already seeing amazing results in just seven days. Clearer skin, clearer thinking and a calmer, less anxious state of mind. The mental chatter has all but stopped and that has been life-changing for me. I've explained the changes that I've chosen to make, water, food, exercise, boundaries around my work and journaling. And also how I've used journaling and specific metrics to learn about myself, stay motivated and tweak my plan as need be. This has been such a great growth opportunity for me and it hasn't been easy, but it's been extremely rewarding. And I'm really looking forward to sharing with you what happens in the next seven days. Stay tuned. Thanks for listening and I look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.